Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read the last parasha of the book of Bereshit of Genesis, parasha Vayehi, which begins saying that Yaakov lived and actually it's the parasha in which he dies, in which he uh, brings all his children and he blesses them and he gives them their mission in the world to each tribe. It gives them, it empowers them and it tells them, he rebukes them and he empowers them, telling them what's their purpose and meaning in life. And it's very interesting because uh, every time that the Torah talks about a patriarch dying, we have two parashas like this, Hayesara uh, and Vayehi, Hayesara in which uh, Sarah, our, our foremother, passed away, also says Haye Sarah, like it didn't, it doesn't talk about death, it talks about life. And this one is the same, it, it has that same connotation by he, Yaakov lived. So what it really in a nutshell is telling us is that we never die. Uh, what we do in this world matters and it stays forever. So much more that we're still learning about him thousands of years later. And the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson of Blessed Memory, notes that uh, Yaakov's 147 years can be divided into three general periods. So first, uh, he lived 77 years of his life, were spent in the Holy Land, in the Eretz Israel, or Canaan, as it was known in those days. And he was secluded in the tents of learning. He lived a sheltered life, a protected life, uh, in every way, in, uh, spiritual, physical. He was uh, learning Torah all, his, all these seven, se 77 years. And, um, and he was not uh, um, enticed by the materialism of the world. So then he lived 20 years in Haran, where his mother Rivka told him to go to find a wife from the home, from their home. And there he met his uh, father-in-law, Lavan, who was a very wicked man who abused him, took, uh, took advantage of him, made him work very hard to be able to marry the love of his life, Rahel. Uh, actually, when he was gonna marry her, uh, the, the sister was put instead and he married Leah and then he had to work seven more years for uh, Rahel. So he worked actually 14 years uh, for, for the wife and then he was six more years working for this uh, wicked father-in-law. Uh, and in Haran, he amassed a, a very big material uh, wealth. He, he fathered 12, uh, uh, 12 of his 13 children, and uh, he amassed uh, an amount, uh, he became a very rich man. And then the last 17 years of his life, he spent in the land of Egypt, Mitzrayim, and this was a descent. Imagine this man, lived in the Holy Land, then he went to Haran, then he went to the Holy Land again, and then he came down to Egypt. It's a descent, and, uh, and there he lived the last 17 years of his life. And so we see that the years that Yaakov lived in the Holy Land were years really of, of perfecting himself, of working on himself, of learning and connecting to Hashem. And, um, and, uh, and he perfected himself in his Torah, in his, in his prayer. And in contrast, when he came down to Haran, 
he was it was a struggle it was a 20 years of working hard of of, of making a living of having a family it, i would call it the, the 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 years when you're 30 and 40 that these are the years in which you work work a lot to be able to 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 have a home to have a car to give education to your children and this is what happened in haran jacob locked horns with laban the deceiver and bested him at his own game and to marry and support his family who worked to exhaustion so it says in Bereshit it says as heat consumed me day by day and frost at night and sleep was banished from my eyes and in the words of Esau's angel Jacob upon Jacob's return from Haran he says you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed so really uh, we see that Yaakov was a, 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 a person that struggled, that hustled, that was never um, not doing something. He was always doing something. Either he was perfecting himself through learning Torah and prayer or he was working. And then we see that when he comes to, uh, to live in Egypt, and this, his 17 years, the last 17 years of his, of his life, he comes to a place of galut, of exile, uh, of sub subjugation and alien environment. And in Egypt, Jacob was compelled to pay homage to Pharaoh, the arch-idol arch and demigod of the land. So he was, you know, Pharaoh was like a god and you had to do whatever he said. And so he was never used to doing this. He, he was his own person. And he see that upon Jacob's passing in Egypt, his body was for 40 days in possession of the Egyptian physicians and who involved him and as it was their custom and he made uh, Joseph promise him that he would be buried in the land of Israel in Hebron in the cover Hamakpelah where he's buried uh, today well since then so we see that um, that the reason that he asked his son Joseph to not bury him in Egypt was because he was scared that his gravesite would become like an idol worship place for the Egyptians. Because he was a tzaddik. When he came down to Egypt, it was the second year of the famine, which was supposed to last seven years. And when he came into Egypt, he brought uh, the, the blessing of food for Egypt and this famine ended. So after a lifetime in which he either inhabited his own sanctum or of hermetic holiness, or struggled against adversity, Jacob's Egyptian years were a time of subjugation to a society which the Torah calls the depravity of the earth. Egypt in those days was like, I don't know how to explain it, it was like the lowest place on earth where people were completely degenerate, uh, they were, they had no morals, no values, everything went and, uh, and yet the Torah describes these seven years as the best years of his life. And this is something that is very interesting because we would think like he's this Sadiq, this great man is living, this holy person is living in such a horrible environment. And nevertheless, for him, it was the best time of his life. So it was in Egypt under the rule and subsequent enslavement of the, of the Jewish people that Jacob's descendants were forged into the people of Israel. So the reason why for him this was the best time of his life is because although he was in Galut, he was in exile, 
this is where he was able to bring the most godliness. And so everything that happened to the patriarchs teaches Nachmanides is, is actually a signpost for the children, for the children for generations to come. So everything that happened to Yaakov, really we're not just reading a biography of someone that was very important and it's interesting. Everything that happened to him, to, to Joseph, to his brothers, to Abraham, Isaac, to everybody in the book of Bereshit is really a signpost for us for generations to come. And these all come as instruction for, for us and for the future. For when something happens to one of the three patriarchs, one understands from it what is decreed to occur to his descendants. And so for we too experienced in the course of our lifetime, these three stages of being in which Jacob, uh, we see that he lives through struggle, through sovereignty, I'm sorry, through struggle and subjugation. And, um, and we each harbor a vision of transcendent self, of a soul pure in, 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 and that it's not viable. Everybody dreams of perfection. Everybody wants to be a good person. Everybody wants to flourish and grow. And this is something that is naturally intrinsic in every human being. It's, it, it's actually at its core. This self we are convinced is not subject to, to caprice or circumstance and remains forever aloof from the shifting dictates of society and convention. So yes, you see people in general, they take uh, meditation courses and mindfulness courses and, and they, 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 they do yoga and they do all these things. They eat in a certain way because everybody wants to transcend. Everybody wants to, to be able to reach that higher self that we all have. And though this core self is not always accessible to us, there comes moments in our lives where we have a moment of truth, where we are really put in a moment of truth where we can really tap into this, this greatness that we have within us. And we call them in which it's asserted its will over every and any influence, influence save its own internal truth. But these moments for most of us are few and far between. Like it's, a, it's an aha moment that we go through in which we have some inspiration and uh, it's a fleeting moment. If you don't take it and you don't act on it and you don't grab it and grow in that moment and you adopt that, that higher self at that moment, then this moment will pass and eventually you'll go back to who you were before or even worse. So more often we're in a state of struggle, struggles with our environment, struggles with our own habits, behaviors, patterns, struggles with the passions of our hearts that desire things that are not really good for us. And, and this is basically most of our lives. We are struggling to, to keep ourselves sane in this world. And a state of struggle indicates that we have not attained full mastery yet. And according to the Tanya, to the book of uh, Rabbi Shneer Salman of, of Liadi, uh, also known as the Sever HaBenoni, uh, our, our purpose in life is to become a Benoni. And a Benoni is a person that does have uh, bad thoughts. It's a person that has bad uh, urges, uh, wants, desires, but nevertheless he's able to control them and not contemplate them and always do 
in action, his behavior is like the behavior of a tzaddik, of a very holy, pious person. And this is our job here. It's not to become the tzaddik because this is not what Hashem is waiting for us to become. We're not meant to be Jacob or Isaac or Abraham or any tzaddik that has come to the world. But Hashem really knows us and he knows that we have the capacity to be able to come to control this this uh, low self to be able to control our thoughts, our speech, our actions. And it's a struggle. It's a lifelong endeavor. It, from the minute you were born till the moment you leave this world, it's never going to end. It's going to always be a battle within you. So a state of struggle indicates that we have not attained full mastery over our existence, but it's also a sign that we are free. So when a person doesn't struggle, when a person goes through life with bad habits, bad inclinations, bad character traits, bad thoughts, and he's not struggling to control them and to rise above them, then this is not a free person. This is a, this is a slave to his makeup. But when a person is struggling to be a higher being in this world, even if he has all these bad character traits, bad habits, bad everything, but in, in his life to life, he is a decent human being and he works to be righteous, then this person has attained mastery. And we are resisting, and he's free. And we are resisting the forces that seek to sway us from our internal truth, and we're engaging them and battling them. Indeed, this is the life at its fullest and most productive, even more so in a certain sense that those moments of truth or of resolute perfection. So yes, when Jacob lived in, 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 in Canaan, in the yeshiva, for 77 years, he had no zero temptations of the material world. He was in a holy state of being. He had no, he had not to, to, to fight it. He didn't have to fight it. But then when he came to Haran and then later on into Egypt, this was a constant struggle. So, but we also know now, no times of powerlessness and subordination, times when we are faced with circumstances which we have the ability neither to control nor to even resist, like we're putting moments in our lives where there's nothing you can do, really, it's a situation that's happening, like we had COVID, now we have this war, like there's nothing you can do, you cannot stop the war, you couldn't take COVID away, it's situations that are outside of us that really are in control, but we have the choice to be able to control ourselves in these situations and to act accordingly to the situation. So, so at these times when it seems that the life has been stopped dead in its track, arrested by an impregnable wall of helplessness and despair, everything that happened to the patriarchs, as, as Nachmanides says, is decreed to occur to our descendants, not that they occur in exactly the same manner, like we are not obviously we're not living in these times and we didn't have to go exactly through what they're going through, but in a similar way, we go through these challenges in lives and our moments, our own moments of transcendence seem fleeting and inconsequential in comparison with Jacob's decades of tranquil 
perfection in the Holy Land. And our struggles seem, seem one and inept when measured against Jacob Haran's years. Our own lives under circumstances of subjugation and oppression seem black indeed when we set against Jacob Egypt's period. Yet the three lives of Jacob are signposts that guide, inspire, and enable our own. So what was so amazing that happened when Jacob came down to Egypt? What was it that made him the best years of his life? And it was that they were able to build a yeshiva in the land of Goshen, and they were able to learn Torah and pray in such a place. It's very easy when you're in, in Brooklyn, in Crown Heights, Williamsburg, or you're in, in, in Jerusalem, or you live in Measharim, to be in a state of mind like that. It's, it's, a, it's, 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 a, it's a test when you're put in a place like America or anywhere else in the world, which is part of the diaspora, where the world doesn't go by these values and you still keep yourself true to who you are. Every day of your life, you're learning Torah, you're, 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 you're doing mitzvot, you're growing, you're flourishing. And this is when a person lives its best, best time of his life. It's when he's growing, when he's connected to the source, even if he's in a place where, where it would look like the source is not there. This is the best. And, and, and we're right now in that time in our lives, in Galut, in exile. Exile is a time where we have these opportunities, which when Mashiach comes, we won't have them. Uh, it's gonna be very sad for us when we come to Mashiach. We're gonna be missing these times as, as hard as they are and as dark as they are and as scary and, 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 and sad as they can be, we're going to miss these times because it's in these times where we can really shine our most. When a Jew can really rise above the status quo of the place or the time that he's living in and really shine above and shine and be a Jew. Live like a Jew, think like a Jew, eat like a Jew, dress like a Jew, be a Jew. You know, so eh, when everybody's going with the flow, like what's special about it? But when things are against us and we really rise above it, then that's when it becomes very special. So Jacob's life in the Holy Land empowers us to experience moments of true freedom and moments in which we assert our true will over all, all forces, both external and internal that seek to quell it. Like when I go to Israel and I'm in Jerusalem, Oh, it's like you're 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 in your in your most comfortable place like this is home you know you come you walk the streets everybody looks like you everybody's doing the same thing like you don't have to go against the current and it's it's a beautiful feeling and then we come to a place like Haran like where he had to work for 20 years and this is a place that inspire and enable us to not only persevere in our struggles, but to revel in them, to experience them as a vibrant and exhilarating period of our lives. So yes, when you're in an, in an uncomfortable job or you're on an uncomfortable place and it's not like the, the, where you're the most comfortable, this is a place where you can really persevere and work on yourself and be the best you that you can be. And then when you come down to Egypt, to this exile, this period teaches us how to deal with those situations in which we feel um, overpowered by forces beyond our control. When there's things that are happening around us that we really have no say, no control about them. And this teaches us that these times too are part uh, of a parcel of our lives 
and these times too can be negotiated with wisdom, dignity, and integrity, uh, that these times too can be realized as vital and productive seasons of our lives. So anything that you're going through in your life really is a, is a teaching moment, is an opportunity to connect to Hashem in the comfort of Israel or in the discomfort of exile. We can always shine our light to the best of our abilities and in this way we will live a little higher and our lives will be lived you know like Vayahi, Yaakov lived there was not a single day of his life that was wasted everything he did was brought him to that perfection and he lived a long 147 years full of, of purpose and meaning so I wish you a blessed week and remember live a little higher thank you